Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 44 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you today? Good man. Uh, it is a scorcher here in Cleveland. I think it's maybe the hottest day we've had all summer. Uh, yeah, it's about 90 degrees, nice and sunny. Yeah, it's real gross. And I was out all afternoon in it looking at houses. Still haven't found anything. We've got a couple of strong candidates. I'll keep you posted. Okay. Well, thankfully, a uh, nice hot day like today is perfect for sitting inside and either recording this or uh, going to a movie theater. And we're doing both of those today. So, check. Uh, I think we're living the high life, Dave. Hey, man. Anyway, before we get to enjoy the high life the rest of the day... We've got some work to do here. Today... <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it work, Matt. Today we're watching episode 44 of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. It's called Impression. You Cry Too. Uh, but before we get into it, Dave, um, Shining in the Heavens, as you may recall, there are five stars. What is our first star of the day? So, Matt, our first star of the day is this, that my lovely wife, Beth, is as we speak at her hairstylist getting her hair dyed, like, teal blue. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I, this is something, something that she's talked about for a long time, right? Dude. <laughs> yeah, long time. I think when, she got, when we got married, she told me that this was a thing that she wanted to do, and she's wanted to do it since she was 15, and she just had a birthday this past Wednesday, so for 16 years... She has been waiting to do this. And we actually were doing it kind of for her birthday. And she's wanted to do it forever. She keeps saying, I think she was on some level hoping when we got married that I would tell her no. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because she was a little, she wanted to do it, but she was nervous to do it. And I was, I just said, sure, go for it, man. Blue hair, rock it out. And so she's been kind of trying to get the gumption up to do it. And she finally got it together. She is at her stylist right now. She will be back when we're done with this episode, give or take, and she will have bright blue hair. I think it's going to look great. I'm super excited for it. No, her that's now. great, dude. Yeah, it's kind of a short star, but it is really exciting. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Right on, dude. So uh, what, Matt, is our second star of the week? Oh, Dave, our second star of the week is something that I have to thank you for. Uh, because you went to Buffalo earlier this week, and you brought I back did. the king of pizzas. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> Despite the fact that it's been sitting in my fridge since <laughs> Tuesday, I kind of forgot about it. Oh, I didn't. Because you told me, hey, man, I got a half-baked bocce sitting in the fridge. Listen, I was going to come over today anyway, because we're going to go see Ant-Man. But... Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that as well. Which is not actually a star today. Excellent. That's just a thing that we're doing. We'll right. talk about it next It'll week. It'll be a star next week when we've seen it. But yeah, man, I got a bocce's down in the fridge. When Beth gets back from her hair appointment, we're going to cook that pizza up, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to go see Ant-Man. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be fantastic. Folks, if uh, if you've never had bocce's pizza, that means two things. One, 
uh, you're missing out. And two, you've never been to Buffalo. True. Because if you are from Buffalo and have never had it, then, um, I don't know, unsubscribe. We don't need your kind around here. <laughs> what? God, God, harsh, man. Listen, I, I'm very passionate about my Bocce's Pizza, Dave. Listen, so here's the deal with Bocce's Pizza. But seriously, guys. no, so don't two... subscribe. That was, come back. Yeah, please don't. We do love that. you all. Please, yeah. So here's the deal with Bocce's Pizza, guys. There's two things. There's two things that make Bocce's Pizza great uh, above and beyond sort of standard pizza stuff. You know, they do fresh dough every day. That's standard, I think, for really good pizza. They use real ingredients. That's obviously standard. Here's the two things. Thing number one. First thing, they don't, as far as I can tell, I'm pretty confident on this, they don't use tomato sauce. They use tomato paste. Maybe they thin it out a little bit, but it's tomato paste. So it's a very concentrated tomato flavor. And the and all the toppings don't slide off because it's not like this layer of kind of wet sauce, right? Right. And the second thing is the pepperoni they use because they don't use the big flat pepperoni. They use like the little pepperonis and they cut them kind of thick. So when they sit on top of the pizza, the pepperoni cooks, okay? But since it's so thin, it curls up when it cooks. So the very top ring of this pepperoni, guys, is sort of burnt a tiny, tiny bit and crunchy. And then the pepperoni grease sits in like a little cup in the pepperoni because it's curled up. And then the inside of the pepperoni is still kind of chewy. It's amazing. It's, and listen, it's so as, good. as we are talking about it, I, I feel like I'm having flashbacks to us talking about this exact same thing in these exact same terms on this show before. But I, I'm not sorry. Okay, we may have, but I'm not sorry. I want to talk about it again. I mean, we can be done talking about it now because we talked about the pizza. But guys, it's worth talking about twice. How about that? That's how good this pizza is. Okay, so your wife is getting her hair dyed. We're eating Bocce's pizza today. Uh, Dave, what is our third star of the week? So our third star of the week, Matt, is I'm getting new glasses. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's dude, it's way past It has been a long time coming. I have had these glasses for, I think, like six and a half years or something. And I my prescription actually isn't too different. They're just, you know, they're just dinged up. Right. But, and I have you to thank for this, I'm going through Zenny Optical, which is just, it's a website, and they sell you glasses, but they sell glasses for like a fraction of the price. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm getting, I'm getting two pairs of glasses, I think, like schnazzy glasses with like poly blah, 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 blah. Oh, like all the, the polys. lenses are great, and I got a, I'm getting one pair of like polarized sunglasses, like all this stuff. And it's costing me less than half of what one pair of glasses cost me six and a half years ago. You know, it's so so far. It's I'm a really huge remarkable. Fan. There are a number of things for which, in, like, there is a lot that internet commerce is not perfect for. But there are a number of things that that okay. sort of like direct market is really great for. And glasses yeah. is absolutely one of them. It's amazing, and I can. <laughs> this is great, though. So I go to the op- optometrist, an optometrist, right? Sure. So we go to the optometrist, and I'm getting my prescription done and he was like doing all the things and checking everything out and he's very friendly and it's all cool right right did a great job he had some sort of like cool new super science way to check my eyes and then there's a there's a measurement that 
Zenny Optical needs that they don't normally give you, and it's your pupil distance. And it is apparently like, you know, just the distance between your pupils so that they know where to make the focal point of the lens, I guess. It's, I don't actually know. something totally like know. that, yeah. But you only need it if you're ordering glasses from somewhere else. Okay. Right. And so I go, you know, I'm doing the thing, and the guy's really cool, and he stayed cordial. And But when he was finishing up, I said, oh, I need my pupillary distance. And he immediately... Oh, and then like, he knows. I could sense. He knew. Exactly. Like I could sense the temperature in the room drop. Like, he immediately just got slightly frostier. Right. Because now, like, you know, you're still getting your prescription from him, you know, going to the doctor. But he is not also selling you glasses. Yeah. And so I had, you know, I'll tell you, said, I had gotten glasses from there before and I had the exact same experience and I had to go to the optometrist to get a new prescription. And it was the exact same thing, except that the lady that I talked to was not even that polite. Like once I told her, oh, I had my pupil distance. She's like, oh, were you going online to get these? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, clearly I am. And she just started telling me about how it was a terrible idea and they always made bad glasses and I would be getting headaches all the time. I was like, lady, just, like, I, I, A, not your business. B, I really don't care. Because if I gamble on this and they're not great, I lost $50. If I gamble on yours and I don't love them, it's like $400. So just give me the distance. Exactly. So I'll let you know how it turns out. I'm very excited about the prospect. I'm wearing some right now and they're great. There you go. So that's something, Matt, that the internet did super well. It's been a while since we've just sent a, a random shill out into the internet to try to like get a sponsor. Uh, but hey, Zenny Optical, Zenny Optical, if you're listening, we will shill for you without hesitation. Anyway, so so that Matt being our third star of the week, something the internet did that was super great. What's our fourth star? Of the oh, week? Dave, this is I think maybe marks the week of the first annual, I believe. Amazon Prime Day? Listen, And dude, Dave, you and I are both Amazon Prime subscribers. I love... I might be described as an Amazon Prime power user. I don't know. I live a very Prime-centric life, I've discovered. Hey, man, so say we all. Right. But uh, this week, they threw <laughs> this thing at us. They're like, oh, coming up this week is going to be Amazon Prime Day. And it's basically going to be like Black Friday sales, but in the middle of July... Like, get ready. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be on sale. It's going to be like a big party for all of our users, basically. And dude, I was ready. I like, I was prepared. I had money. Ass- we had talked, Beth and I, about a limit on the money that we would spend. Because we were anticipating the deals. Right? Yes. Like, I was ready. And then, I was, and then you saw I the deals. Matt, primed. <laughs> Okay. I will forgive you for that. <laughs> because we're <laughs> brothers and I love you. you. <laughs> but yeah, then I saw these quote-unquote deals. And friends, if you are not Amazon Prime uh, subscribers and did not see the Prime Day deals, imagine that you're going to a store on Black Friday, right? But you don't get there at like midnight. You show up at noon, and all of the stuff that's been on sale all day that nobody wanted is still there. 
It was like that, but that was everything. Yeah, that's all there was. It was like, it w- you know, second-rate office supplies and hand cream for miles. Yeah. Okay, the comparison that I saw on the internet, which I think was very accurate, is that it's like Prime had kind of a low-grade garage sale. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's you know exactly what, I mean? what it was. Yeah, it was none of the stuff that you look at and you say, oh my gosh, I want that. It's like, uh, yeah, I can see why you'd want to get rid of that. I can see why you wouldn't, that cl- wouldn't want that cluttering up the house. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So they're just trying to clear out their warehouses, and they were trying to get us very excited about it. And we did get excited, um, and, but I did not buy anything. Yeah, uh, we bought like some luggage or something, but it was enormously disappointing. I think Amazon, I mean, like, I don't know kind of what their internal reaction to it was. I know the internet's reaction was that it was hot garbage. So with any luck, if this is the thing that they want to keep doing, which, you know, whatever, they'll pay attention to that feedback and maybe you know, offer up something worth buying next yeah, year. So uh, not Amazon in general, but Amazon Prime Day sales, uh, you can go suck a lemon. Yeah. Anyway, Dave, suck what it. is our fifth and final star of the week? Okay, so our fifth star of the week, Matt, is actually another food-related thing. I'm interested. We like to eat. We're, we're an eating-centric kind of family. It's an important part of my day. It's an important, well, I mean, I guess it's an important part of anybody's day, but we like to eat. So anyways, so Beth and I, Beth recently got a new job, and to celebrate, we went to a restaurant in Cleveland called Pier W. Oh, no, I've never been to Pier W. Well, I'm going to give you a hesitant recommendation. All right. Because really what it is, is it's a seafood job. Ah, maybe that's why I've never been to Pier W. Right. Well, that's why we went, because Beth's huge into seafood, and it's very difficult to get good seafood in Cleveland unless you are willing to kind of pay top dollar for it. Or you're really into lake fish. Or you're super into lake fish, which is really lake food rather than seafood, I guess. I guess. Anyways, but Beth flips out for seafood. I said, it's your job. You know, we'll go wherever you want. So we go to this place, Pier W. It would, dude, it was good. Like, it was really good. There was clam chowder. All right. Which is kind of one of those seafood items that I do like. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of seafood things that sort of hover around the peripheries of seafood that I do like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm the same way. So we're in the restaurant. Service was pretty good. We ordered this soup. We ordered these oysters. They were taking forever to come out. When they finally do come out, the manager brings them out and says, you know what? Without me even asking, says, you know what? These These took forever. On the house. Ah, uh, so now I feel like that is a sign of a good restaurant. It is. This is the thing. Guys, listen. The better a restaurant is, the more they're willing to give you for free. Is kind of the deal. Which is sort of the inverse so of we, a hotel. Like, the nicer the hotel, the more, like, add-on things there are. I feel like. Yeah, maybe. But a restaurant, know, like, maybe. a nicer restaurant just hands you stuff. Yeah. So Beth got Surf and Turf, which she loved. I got like a braised short rib with some mashed Ooh. potatoes and a fantastic like wine reduction jus thing. Killer. So this is this is why my recommendation was tentative is the stuff that I got that was not food, seafood related was still really really excellent. I just don't know if you're getting the full Pier W experience if you're not a seafood person, you know what I mean? Right, which I am admittedly not. Right, like other people were having an experience that I was not having. Okay, well, I am glad that you guys went and had a great time. I'm glad that food was delicious. And I think that is actually going to do it for our five-star segment for the week. 
Right on. Um, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 44, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 44 of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. And before we say anything else, there's something that I want to say. Um, if by some weird chance this is your first episode of the show, and you were going to try out this week's episode and then go listen to an old one and, you know, Ooh, sort of yeah. start that way. Uh, this is a bad episode to do that with. There's a lot of really big <laughs> stuff that happens in this episode, like things revealed and so forth. Uh, and so, you will sort of cripple your listening experience. So I can't imagine that many people are starting with episode 44, but if that's you, um, go back and try an older man. one. Uh, the old world. Listen to the grouped opposite squadron. Where to guess that time? It was great. Um, but, <laughs> uh, go listen to some other ones first. Now, that disclaimer being out of the way, Dave, what did we just see? Okay, the quick version of what we saw, Matt, is we see the conclusion of Akamaru's story. Uh huh. We discover the deal with Kaku. Mm hmm. We see the resolution of Daijin Ryu. And I think the resolution of Ko's story as well. I don't know if we'll see Ko anymore. If we didn't, it would it would be okay. Like this is this would be a fine point for him to stop. So that's that's yeah. It. And we'll we'll sort of discuss that at the end of the episode. But yes, yeah. Okay. So no. Okay. One thing that I want to talk about before we get into the actual events of the episode is the opening of this episode. Yeah, we're, I was gonna say we're just sitting down. We were watching the opening credits. And it's been a while since I've sort of paid attention during the opening credits, because I'm normally, like, fiddling with my computer and getting stuff ready to record. Um, uh, two things. One, this is another one, and it's been this way for a while, that they sort of, sort of show you clips of the episode as you're watching it. Yeah. So, if you want to avoid those clips, just, you know, skip forward a minute and a half or something. The other thing... I would thing, recommend that you do that. If you're going to watch the episode bef after you do this, skip the credits. So, the other thing is that... The credits, other than those clips that they insert, have never changed, right? But the Die Rangers have gone through, like, three outfits and two haircuts apiece. <laughs> and so watching the old, like, outfits and stuff, like, the cheerful looks on their faces as they're riding their bikes down by the docks in the opening credits, and then going into this episode where they're all wearing, like, black and have, like, you know, much more severe expressions and hairstyles, it's really jarring. It's like uh, it's like Throwback Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so when the episode opens up, what we see is that quick flashback. If you haven't, if you don't remember, Daijin Ryu, the Great King of Terror, is back on Earth, and he has hypnotized a bunch of people to stand on building ledges, and is using that threat of death to enforce cosmic peace. I guess. The Die Rangers have rescued Ko. Sorry. The Die Rangers have rescued Mother. Mother and the Die Rangers are on their way to rescue Ko. Akamaru is standing in their way. And yeah, that's where we like, kind of. That's where like the action pet kicks demon off. is there named Thunder. Oh, yeah, that's right. So it just jumps right in again. So the fight is already happening between Thunder and the Die Rangers. We cut to Ko. Ko kind of like flips out in his cave bed and turns into Kiba Ranger. Cuts back to the Rangers. Kiba Ranger jumps in, 
attacks the other Dai Rangers with like tiger style kung fu. And then notably, he attacks at them using Yoriyoku, which is like the evil. Oh, you know, dude, I must have been writing something down. I didn't catch that. Well, they didn't say it, but like Yoriyoku looks a very specific way. They're like these sort of ten, like these fire tendrils that fly all over the screen. And that is the thing that happens. So he is far enough into his possible transformation into a Goma that he has access to Yoriyoku. Oh, dude, that is... You were <laughs> you are still clearly the master in this situation. <laughs> I did not notice that. So now it's Thunder, the Pent Demon, and the Kiba Ranger versus the Die Rangers. For some reason... Cameo, we cut to Cameo, who is like in his Daimugen form. He sort of shrinks down, and when he returns to his human form, Mother is standing next to him, and she runs over towards the fight and also towards Akamaru. I don't really know why Cameo allows her to do this, like why he kind of shrinks down and lets her become unprotected, but he does. So mom gets over to Akamaru. Akamaru jumps in the way and says, I will like, I won't allow you to interfere or something. Cause he figures he's got this one in the bag. Right. There's a bit right here where they, uh, the die Rangers are fighting Kiba Ranger. Kiba Ranger summons Wong tiger, but it is the fastest summoning of one of their robots ever. Oh, dude. It's like, they don't even weird. show it. All they show is, like, Ko jumps up into the air and shouts that he's summoning Wong Tiger. Yep. And then when he lands, he doesn't land at all. We just see the feet of Wong Tiger, like, already in, <laughs> like, warrior right. form land next to the Dire Rangers. But, okay, so, but they did something weird with the shot, Matt. I don't know if you noticed this. They shot it from behind, and I think they were trying to use some, like, forced perspective to make it look like the Wong Tiger suit was really there, because they definitely wanted to show Wong Tiger landing next to the Rangers, but they didn't do the perspective quite right. And so what you see is just the obviously person-sized Wong Tiger suit, because it's not actually giant, you you just see Wong Tiger's leg next to the Rangers, and it's very obvious that they're the same size. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, this whole thing, it seems like we have got to get through this stuff very quickly. Just shoot it and let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this episode seems... There's a lot of episode in this episode. So as those two are starting to fight, Thunder, who has sort of been hanging back, also joins into the fight. So now it's Thunder and uh, Wong Tiger. Wong Tiger and uh, Dairano. Right. So three giant robot slash demons fighting. And this is enough, like, combat energy emanating out into the world. Like, however that works. That Daijin Ryu, the great king of terror, senses it and says, okay... Now we're doing this. And he just flashes <laughs> some, like, yellow electricity and a bunch, not everyone, but a bunch of people just start jumping off roofs. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know if he just has, like, a little sensor, but I really hope that he like does. Like, if the needle goes and into the red, people dial. start jumping. Right. Like, if this gets in the red, that's it. He's a race car, man. You've got him in the red. Okay. So, he starts 
forcing people to jump off roofs. Kaku is there. He's kind of watching this happen. And when they start jumping off of roofs, he starts kind of shooting Kiryoku at them to like soften their fall, basically. He saves a bunch of he saves everybody, I think, actually. Yeah, we don't well, if there's anyone he doesn't save, we don't see it. It would make sense that we wouldn't see it though. But the he does save a lot of people. Yeah, which is, you know, listen, Kaku can be infuriating, but Kaku is also very cool. He is cool, and he's also crazy powerful. Yes. Okay. So And then Daijin Ryu leaves? Yeah, I'm not really sure. There, okay, there's a brief moment where Kaku looks at Daijin Ryu and says something like, Daijin Ryu, you must stop this. And then he does. I take that to be coincidence. Yeah, because he doesn't actually stop blowing stuff up. He just stops doing it right there. Because he flies away and he goes to the Goma Palace. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually the same footage that we saw a few weeks ago. It might be, actually. And he just starts blowing up stuff at the Goma Palace. Yeah. He like, the floating like orbs launching... are, like, getting blown into dust. The flying upside-down pyramid is shaking. Yeah. And we cut inside the Goma Palace, and we see Shadam, who is just kind of standing there looking very angry. And he is angry. He says, Akumaru, this is... He's not talking to Akumaru. He's just sort of proclaiming. Akumaru, this is your fault. I have no idea how this is Akumaru's fault. Well, I guess it's his fault because if it wasn't for Akumaru, like, the only reason that people are fighting right now is that Akamaru has like you know done all of this stuff with Ko and has thunder like rampaging around okay so, like, yeah, actually... Akamaru right now is the one breaking the ceasefire treaty to be fair I guess I just assumed that Shadam was being unreasonably antagonistic toward his son <laughs> well, I think that's also very true but it actually does make sense I can see this okay this is kind of Akamaru's fault all right so we cut back to the beach quarry. It's like caves at the beach or something where the rangers and everybody is fighting. Mother is facing Akumaru. She is freaking out. Like from now until the end of the episode, she freaks out the whole time. Like she never stops freaking out. Like every line she delivers is delivered as kind of a weird yell scream. Or, or she's weeping through it. Those yeah. are your only options. So mom is turning it up to 11. She is facing Akumaru, and she says, Akumaru, you have to stop. He says, why? Like, blah, blah, blah. And she drops the bomb. She says, because I am your mother, and also, here's the crazy part, Ko is your twin brother. Specifically the younger twin brother. Right. They look nothing alike, by the way. So, okay. But so whatever. Here is what the deal is. So if you remember from way, way back, the thing that Akamaru was originally pissed off about was the fact that his mother abandoned him right when he was born. Yeah. And then, you know, like, he was just had to deal with Shadam, who was a terrible dad. Although possibly the best Goma dad. Right. As we have discussed. So, um, that is sort of the original source of his hatred. This is the impetus behind all of this action. And now we find out why. Because apparently it is Goma law that if two boys are born as twins, then the younger one must be killed. 
for reasons that they do not explain. Eh, for Goma but reasons. Whatever. Who knows? But so anyways, Ko is the younger brother. And so mom says they what they would have killed him, so I had to leave. Like I had to run away with Ko to save his life. I never wanted to abandon you, but I had no choice. Because otherwise Ko would have died. And Akabara was listening to this. And he is having a very hard time processing this information. Dude, he is vibrating. He's shaking so hard. Like, you could see it. Also, question, does this mean that mom is a Goma? I don't think so. Because I I think that she is from the Dai tribe. Because I want to say that Ko had, like, both Dai tribe blood and Goma blood in him. Okay. Dude. Shadam must be a smooth talker, if that is the case. Yeah, you know, we have seen throughout this series a couple of instances of couples made up of partially Goma, partially uh, Dai tribe people, or sometimes, like, partially human, partially Goma slash Dai tribe in the case of uh, Ryu's dad. Okay, yes. we ha- Okay, we have... However, normally it's someone kind of comes from one side of the other and, you know, maybe like a member of the Goma tribe changes tribes or something, but they still have Goma blood. Right. Or they have Shottam, some sort of redeeming quality. <laughs> right. Shadam is 100% Goma and 100% super into it and a total villain. Yeah, he is an unrepentant villain who at some point about 10 years ago, well, I guess exactly 10 years ago. Almost to the hour. Like, fell in love. 10 years and some months. Yeah, like 10 years, nine months, and, you know, however much long time before that. But yeah, like, he was just in a relationship with this woman. Yeah, I have no idea how he manages to pull this off, but he does. Okay, so Akamaru, like, just cannot handle this. And he just runs. Yeah. First of all, he doesn't buy it. He says, I don't believe you. It can't be true. And he books. We cut to the fight between Wong Tiger, Dairano, and Thunder. The Dire Rangers manage to like incapacitate Thunder for a moment. They get close to Wong Tiger. Ryu actually jumps. I don't even actually see what he jumps out of. On just sort of, yeah, it's it's sort of a weird cut, but we see uh, Ryu jump from his cockpit. We see him sort of fly across the air into like the chest mouth of Wong Tiger to get into that cockpit to sort of wrestle Ko to the ground and subdue him. Right, which he does actually manage to do. Like, there's a brief fight, but. They pretty much just, you know, Ryu manages to take him down. Yeah, well, the thing is, Ko at this point is switching back and forth between being Little Kid Ko and being uh, Kiba Ranger. He's sort of like flashing in and out because so much weird cheese stuff is happening inside of him. Yeah. So he's able to subdue him and he pulls him out of Wong Tiger. And that pretty much ends that part of the fight. Right. So we jump down to Akimaru, who is just running. He is doing that sort of exhausted, like, can't believe it run. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The desperate run. Still super angry slash incredulous. He is standing at the edge of a cliff. He turns around. Shotham appears. 
And he says, hey, that woman says that she's my mom and that Ko is my brother. What is going on here? <laughs> Shada basically just says, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Whatever. Yeah, like, whatever. Also, here are a couple more truth bombs. One, uh, the One. Goma are being destroyed right now and it's 100% your fault. Yep. And two, none of what you were doing matters because we have just agreed to another ceasefire with the Die Rangers. We won't be enemies again, ever. And what they are doing is the Die Rangers have to disband. So everything right. that you've done right now to, like, get one up on the Die Rangers, it's Doesn't, all for nothing. Specifically, and this is key, specifically what he says is, is that we, the Goma, have made a deal with Doshikaku. Yes. And that in exchange for peace, the Die Rangers will disband. Forever. Forever. And then Shotham attempts to kill Akamaru. And he does a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. Like, Akamaru manages to run away, I think. But Shotham just says, yep, that terrible thing you just found out is true. Everything you've striven for doesn't matter. Also, death. Also, here's a fireball. <laughs> so. Okay. So, we cut back to the fight. Now, Wong Tiger is no longer fighting because Ko's been taken out of the equation. But right. Thunder is still fighting. So yeah. the rest of the Die Rangers are fighting with the giant Thunder. And Ko's mom has taken Ko and run back into the cave where Ko had been, like, hibernating. Right. Matt, let me jump back just a second. The first shot that we see, guys, of Thunder in fighting with Dyrano, he just... <laughs> Punches the top off of a mountain. <laughs> and I am reminded yet again that I would pay real US dollars for someone to set up a like kaiju playland where I could dress in a suit and punch over buildings and punch mountains. It would be pretty great. It would be amazing. Dude. I don't know how many dollars I would pay for a ticket to that. But it's not insignificant. You know what else I would watch? I would watch... Okay. Imagine professional wrestling, except instead of wrestlers, you have two dudes in costumes, and instead of a ring, you have, like, a kaiju playland, like, destruction set. Okay. And you just watch two dudes, like, dress up as kaijus and giant robots and fight for your amusement in a live setting. <laughs> Dude! I think almost better would just be actual professional wrestlers in a kaiju playland. I want to see, like, I want to see Baron Corbin suplex a guy into a mountain. That's, I want to see that. It would be pretty great. It would be amazing. Okay. So, okay. It, would be, but okay. it would be better if before that he transformed into a real werewolf. The, oh, yeah. That's assuming that he isn't already actually a for real werewolf. Which, which I'm not who knows, convinced man. about. I'm actually a little behind on NXT, so I don't know what he's been up to. So he might anyways, be a for real werewolf by now. Dude, I, we can only hope. I feel like if this were the 90s, he would already be a werewolf. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so. But to return to, <laughs> to, back return to, to the matter at hand. So, Ko and Mom are in the cave. The rangers, as Dyrano, are guarding the cave. Okay? Right. We see Ko's mom. Ko is passed out at this point. 
Ko's mom puts him down on the stone, like the little table that he's been lying on, like the rock or whatever. And she takes off her ring and she puts it in Byako Shinken's mouth. I realize, Matt, we have no idea what's up with that ring. Yeah, it's just sort of mom's magic ring. It's clearly super important. Like, this is a big deal ring. It has weird magic powers. It can track Ko. It can do all sorts of stuff. It's not it, it has only been prominently is it never featured. explained. Yeah. It's not only never explained, it's never even referenced. Right. She just does it, and ever, and we just roll with it. And she already clearly knows what the ritual that she has to do is, which makes sense. She's probably been planning to do it for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Now, here's what doesn't make sense. It's because she clearly knows what the ritual is, which we will describe in a moment. Mm-hmm. But before she does it, she runs into a cave. This which is key. will cause problems in just a second. Right. But again, she knows what's about to happen. Right. This is so none I of have... this should be a surprise to her. So everything so... that happens from here on out is the result of an extremely bad choice. Okay. So here's what she does. She takes the ring off. She grabs Byako Shinken. And she implores the Kiryoku of the world, of the universe, of the galaxy to come save Ko. She holds up, she just receives the quickening, is what she does. Right. She holds up Byako Shinken, there's a bolt of lightning, she receives the quickening. Now, but, this bolt of lightning, you may recall what I just said, she's inside, so it right. blasts a hole through the top of the cave. Yeah! And now, she is in a full-on cave-in situation. Right! Which, again, she just ran into this cave to do this thing that she obviously... Because she strikes a pose. When I said she takes the quickening, I'm not kidding. She strikes a pose. She throws the sword up... Like, throws it, but, like, holds it up into the air. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Hole in the ceiling. Cave-in. So she knows that this is about to happen. Runs into a cave anyways. Okay, so the sword is glowing. She goes over to Ko and says... Now it's time to erase all of the Goma blood that's in you. She, like, right. bops him on the chest with the sword. He glows. Uh, and then he just sort of passes out. Yeah. He sort of levitates up Exorcist style. Yes. I've never seen The Exorcist, but I have seen pictures of that scene. Well, I've certainly seen Ghostbusters a lot. So he has levitates up like, uh, you know, good yeah. old what's-her-name. That also works. Sergeant Weaver. Damn. There we are. Ghostbusters. Super excited about the new Ghostbusters. Oh, dude, did you see the pictures of the uh, new Ghostbusters? Yeah. It looks good. It looks it looks really good. Okay. It looks really good. Okay, so anyways. Ghostbusters so aside. She sort of co then come, floats back to Earth. She sort of picks him up and is cradling him. And sort All of right. begging him to wake up. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be doing it. She starts to cry. A tear drips down her face. A single tear. Falls off her cheek. Lands on Ko on the tiger brand. The brand disappears. And Ko wakes up. Which is great. He is super excited to see her. It's fantastic. She's thrilled to see him. They are finally reunited. It's been like this whole series leading up to this moment. And everything is great. For, like, two seconds. And then the cave-in gets worse. Yeah! And instead of just... They don't just, like, run immediately. 
they take a moment to, I don't know, they just take a moment. Just to, you know, center themselves, I guess. Right. I don't know. Anyway, in that moment, <laughs> in a big moment. rock lands on Ko's mom. Right. It just, like, crushes her from the waist down. And Ko is like, oh, mom, we need to get you out of here. And she immediately just gives up on life and says, nope, you need to go. Get out of here. Does I'm, not I'm done. What she does not say, and probably could have said, was, oh, yeah, why don't you transform into the superhero that you are so that you can use your superpowers to save us both? She just says, nah, run. Leave me behind. Always remember me. Always remember me. You have other people. Like, in the time that it takes her to deliver this last speech about how he has to be the Kiba Ranger and fight for other people, and he has other friends, and, like, Rin will take care of him, and that she loves him forever and will live in his heart. There is no universe in which Ko could not have just turned into the Kiba Ranger and easily saved both of them. Yeah, just like summoned a spectral rock band to destroy the boulder with like sound waves or something and then left. <laughs> right. This show is happy for like three seconds and then Ko's entire universe is immediately destroyed again. Except this time it's worse because last time his mother was just gone. This time his mother is very and definitively dead. Or about and not to be dead. In a pleasant and painless fashion. Okay, she's so... She's dead because she's crushed by a boulder. So she... He leaves. Like, right. finally he listens, and he gets out of there while she's like, goodbye, I love you, or whatever she says. Yeah, she is still yell screaming, crying, by the way. So immediately after Kiba Ranger leaves... Because he turns into Kiba Ranger, by the way, immediately after he leaves. But we'll get to that in a second. So Ko runs out of the cave. Akumaru runs directly into the cave. Again, it's sort of like last episode. I don't know how they didn't bump into each other. Yeah. Like, there wasn't so even Akamaru a camera cut. Like, Ko cave. runs out, Akamaru, he sort of stumbles in. Because remember, Shadam, like, nearly killed him a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is not in good shape. So, Akamaru sees Mother, okay? He is stumbling towards her. He also gets crushed by rocks. Which, as you recall, is not the first time he has been crushed to death by rocks. Yeah. What? Jeez, Die Ranger. So anyways. So, Childs is crushed by rocks. He, re he reaches out to his... Oh, he takes his glove off first, by the way. Yeah. And then he reaches... Which is actually... It's like a surprisingly poignant moment. Hey, this... Listen, man. The name of this episode is You Cry Too. So... Maybe they're just talking to us. No, they are. They are absolutely talking to us. Oh, okay. I did not realize that that, that title was directed at me. Because, yeah, man, so Akamo, this kid who has never met his mother, his entire life has been driven by rage at her abandonment, has discovered that she didn't want to. She only did it to save the little brother that he didn't know he had. He takes his glove off. This is the first time we've ever seen this happen. And he reaches out. And they, like, hold hands. And he says, like, I always wanted to meet you. And she says, oh, my beloved Akamaru. And, like, they hold hands together for a moment. And then, like, more rocks fall and the scene cuts away. Right. Like, the scene, it's not even, like, a cut. The, the scene ends <laughs> when the falling rocks have obscured the camera. Yeah. So, you cry too, guys. 
<laughs> okay. So after all of this, after all of this, it's it's definitely the most kind of tear jerky moment in Die Ranger. Like for a kids show, it's pretty intense. Oh, and it's been it's a couple of things all in a row. Yeah. Like this, this episode, whole episode has been sort of nonstop, particularly the last few minutes have been like a couple of things all in a row that are all very sad or very heartwarming. It's been a real roller coaster. <laughs> and then so Ko so... walks out, like wipes <laughs> Just... some tears away from his face. And transforms into Keeper Ranger, because now it's fight time. <laughs> right. It's just, there is no reference to anything. He's just like, all right, let's go. And, like, like the he music has, is you know, playing. He's got, like, his sad, determined face on. But, like, right. fight music starts. He transforms. He jumps into Wong Tiger. It could immediately be just any other fight scene in Die Ranger. So, he jumps up. He turns into Keeper Ranger. He jumps into Wong Tiger. Thunder's still there. Dairenno sort of looks over at Wong Tiger. There's a moment of recognition. Yeah, like now say, you, you are know. good. Right. So <laughs> so they say, "All right, let's do this." Daimugen runs up. And I always feel a little bit bad for Daimugen when he joins a fight. So they do the whole thing. I don't actually remember what it's called. But, you know, it's Ryuseo and the other Kaiden Beasts and Wong Tiger and Daimugen. Like, they're riding Daimugen or something. Yeah, it's it's the big pile of robots. <laughs> right. It doesn't actually look very cool. And then they proceed. We've seen it before. They proceed to drop, like, the lamest finishing move of all time. I think you mean the best finishing move because Big Crushing <laughs> Death is awesome. You know, they fly up in the air and then they stop flying and then a pile of giant robots <laughs> lands on him and crushes him. him. And then there's an explosion. <laughs> Don't forget the explosion, Dave. I, I think the part that kind of kills it for me is the way that they seem to fly is that Dyrano just spins his staff around really fast and it acts like a helicopter blade. And that's how they fly. And then he just stops and then they fall on the monster. I do not see what, the, what your problem is, Dave. <laughs> but that's what they do. And Thunder is crushed. Okay, so the Rangers and Daibugan have destroyed Thunder. We cut away from the scene. What we see is Daijin Ryu kind of surveying the Earth, I guess. And he is determined that the conflict is settled. And so he leaves. Yeah. Like he just kind of flies into space. And as he flies away into space, it cuts back to the people who are standing on the ledges and their eyes all sort of go back to normal, and they realize they're standing on ledges, and they all immediately get off of those ledges. Right. They're all. It was it was clearly like a hypnotism thing because they're all very confused. That none of nobody knows what's happening. Cut back to the beach, and Ko is reuniting with the Dive Rangers. Right, which is weird because why were they not already together? They were all in their giant robots. They were all in the cockpit, literally, like, inches from each other. And then when we see this scene, Ko is all by himself, and the rangers have found him, is what it looks like. Well, I, I think the honest reason for that is that Ko wanted some alone time. Because when they're coming up to him, he oh. is, you know, he's just sort of staring out at the ocean, and they're sort of standing a ways back from him. Okay, yeah, that uh, that makes a ton of sense, and I'm a big jerk. Yeah, well, you know, his mom just died. Whatever. So, yeah. um... <laughs> So, Ko is obviously, you know, 
despondent, man. His, his mother just died. And the Rangers, it's a very touching moment. Well, because the Rangers they don't all... know yet. You know, like, oh, this, that's right. This is where they find out that the mom has died. That's so, right. Poe turns and he just, he doesn't even finish the sentence. He just sort of says, like, mom is, mom is a few times. And then he starts crying and he runs over to Rin and hugs her. Right. And they sort of get it. Yeah. Ryu takes off his coat. He gives it. He puts it around Ko. And he says, you know, your mom will always live in your heart. She'll, on some level, she'll always be with you. It's a very nice moment, actually. Yeah. I don't know why I said actually. It's just a nice moment. So. We cut away from that to an entirely different moment. Yeah. Well, it's not a total cutaway. Because Kaku is, we see Kaku, and he is sort of up on a ledge looking down at all of this happening. Okay. He turns around and Shotam is there. Just, he's just there. Yeah, the two of them are just hanging out. And Kaku turns to Shotam. He's like, hey, uh, your wife just died and one of your kids died and your other child is totally heartbroken. How can you look on this and not feel anything? And Shotam just says, eh, I'm good. Yeah, basically he just says like, dude, I'm Shotam. Like, right. Like, That's I my deal. Totally don't care. So then, what Shotham says is, he says, "What you need to be concerned about, not a, don't worry about me. You've got your own stuff to deal with, because, as per our agreement, you must now catch this return. You must now return to the Goma, Goma Chief of Staff." Kaku. Yeah, so Kaku is a Goma. He was born a Goma. He is a member of the Goma tribe. He has abandoned them and turned his back on him and thrown in with the Dai tribe you know, years and years ago. I think he was part of the original conflict 6,000 years ago. Yeah, and not just a Goma. Like a high-ranking Goma. Goma chief of staff. He's a big deal Goma. Yeah, like he is, I think, equal to or higher than the Goma commanders. Which explains why he's so crazy powerful, and also why he teleports. Yeah. And also... only the Goma tele... Okay, I've actually been... Remember in the last episode, man, I said that I sort of had this kind of pet theory and I didn't want to say anything? Was this it? This... Okay, I didn't have it real nailed down, but this is kind of it. He teleports, which we only ever see the Goma do... He's got this weird palanquin that goes directly to the Goma Palace. When he shows up in the Goma Palace, they all know him. He knows the etiquette for when you go talk to Goma the 15th himself. So I didn't know exactly what it was, but I did. My theory was that he had some sort of pre existing relationship with the Goma that wasn't adversarial. And so what's actually really cool about this is it gives us a reason, finally, as to why he doesn't just do everything himself. Because he's not yeah. a Die Ranger and really can never be because he's a Goma. So, like, he can fight by himself individually, and he's super effective. He's way more effective than any of the Rangers. But I think that since he is of the Goma, he would never be able to pilot the Kaiden beasts. <sighs> Oh man, I never did not think about that. So it makes when, a ton like, of sense. I remember when you were asking really early on in the series, like, why does he even bother with his jabronis when he could just clearly do it all himself? 
The answer, I think, is that. Right, that he's not actually a die person. Right, so he has to be set up as their mentor, and he can help them out and do stuff that they can't, but on a fundamental level, they have to be the ones to get the things done. Man, you know, when when we first saw this, I really thought that it was just kind of a, uh, you know, like a surprise twist. But, and maybe we're headcanoning this a little bit heavily, but it actually makes a ton of sense. Like, it answers a lot of questions that we've had about the show. So I think it's a great, I mean, it's crazy. So Kaku is a goma. Yeah. He's, ah, okay, this is nuts. Okay, so we got to finish this up, Matt. There is one more scene. You may recall that it is Christmas Eve when this whole thing is happening. We cut to that evening, and Rin is, she's out Christmas shopping? Seems a little late, but yeah, that's what she's doing. Yeah, so she's doing some Christmas shopping, and there's a very weird scene, because she looks over and she sees Mother and Ko and Akumaru, and they are just doing some Christmas shopping together. And she looks closely and sort of walks up towards them, and then as she gets closer... The image changes, and you can see that it wasn't actually those three, obviously, because two of them are dead, and one of them is back in her apartment. But it was, like, a woman with her two sons, and when Rin saw it, she sort of saw it as Mother yeah. and Akamaru and Ko. She's walking around doing Christmas shopping, which is fine, whatever, they do Christmas in Japan. The one thing that is weird to me, though, is that she has on a heavy coat, it starts snowing, and she's wearing short shorts. Like, they have winter in Japan. Yeah, like, clearly. I mean... Safe, right? It's snowing. Anyway, questionable wardrobe aside, uh, yep. Byako sticks his, like, sword hilt head out from under that coat and Which, says, like, hey, it's snowing. I don't know why snowing. he's with her, but whatever. Well, you know, he likes to go out on errands sometimes, I guess. And I so guess. he pops out and he's like, hey, it's snowing. And she sort of looks up and smiles because it's the magic of Christmas. And then she goes back. We cut back to her apartment. Ko is there. He's sort of staring out the window, like waiting for her to get back. Yeah. He pulls out the ring, mom's ring, which somehow he got. I guess it was still in the sword's mouth. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. That's as good a reason as any. And then Rin comes back in and Ko, you know, brightens up. He sees Rin. He smiles. It's a moment. It's a they nice sit- it's a nice sort of it end is. of episode moment. Like they sit down, the three of them, Rin, Ko, and Byako Shinken, they sit around the table. They <laughs> have a, a very strange looking Christmas Eve dinner involving a cake with three candles and chalices of juice. With straws in them. Also, where are the other rangers? I don't know. I mean they've got families, don't they? I don't know. I mean, we okay. Okay, actually, we know that Ryu has a sister. I don't actually think anyone else has a family. Kazu, we know, is not in contact with his family because they're like country bumpkins or something. Anyways, it's just weird to me that the other rangers aren't there. You'd think they would all be there to comfort Ko, but whatever. They but seem what? happy. Everything is cool. Byako is actually sitting inside of a Christmas stocking. <laughs> I forgot. That's good. That's a good moment. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. So, Dave, so, what was your high point? Oh, dude, Kaku. Doshikaku is a goma. What else is there? Oh, dude, I, from- I have been waiting for you to find that out 
for 44 episodes. Oh my god, it's crazy. What? Ah, crazy. This is, oh man, it was a fan, it's great. This is like a Luke, I am your father sort of moment. Sort of. Yeah, and the, the crazy thing is that when I watched it the first time, you know, I watched it in a very different way than you're doing now. I binged watch it all in the course of a month, and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it because no one else had seen the darn show. So mm-hmm. when that happened, <laughs> like when I saw that for the first time, I did not expect it at all, and it totally blew me away. Yeah, dude, that's bonkers. Uh, okay. Uh, what's your so, low point? Low point? Um... I think it's the fact that Ko's mother's death seems entirely needless. Yeah, that actually, I was going to say, that's my low point, too. Like the, you can, Yeah, we can double up on that one, because it's really dumb. The fact that she went inside the cave to do something that she could have probably guessed was going to start a cave-in was, you know, it's it just stupid. a really bad idea. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, how about a high point for you, man? A uh, high point for me? The final scene with Ko's mom and Akamaru, like, listen, it was followed up by a sort of standard fight scene, and there was no reason that Ko's mom had to die there. But the way that that scene played out, like, in the thing, he goes in, they hold hands, the rocks crush them, they get reunited. It was very sweet. It was a good scene. They got there in sort of a convoluted way, but, like, it was a very... Touching scene. I liked it a lot. Yeah, no, it was beautifully done. Okay, so that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, and I really hope you do, please remember. Shining in the iTunes review sections, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help other people find the show. The Super Sentai Brothers is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.